and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my fiancé to watch the musicals he really should have seen by now, and then we talk about them. I am the fiancé. And I'm Drew. And I have seen this musical. Yeah. I I remember us watching this when it first came out back in 2020. Mm-hmm. And then us kind of realising like halfway through going... This is a musical. <laughs> we, we should have saved this for the podcast. Yeah. So we purposely didn't watch it last year. Yes. So that it will have been two years between us seeing it. Yeah. And it, I'm really excited to go back to this because I do remember enjoying it. Yeah, me too. I think it was one of those movies that we watched not really expecting anything. Because no. we'd seen the trailer... But there really wasn't much to it on Netflix. Well, this is the thing when it comes to like Netflix Christmas stuff. Mm-hmm. You either get something that's very like, huh, this is really good. Like the Christmas Chronicles where you like go into it not expecting much. And then this is a really fun film. And like I could see as being a Christmas classic. Mm-hmm. Or you get my favorite genre, <laughs> which is trash Christmas movie. That makes it into the Netflix cinematic universe. Yes. Which I might do a whole podcast on because I'm obsessed. (laughs) Yeah. It's like last year we watched Love Hard. Hmm. And again. I liked that film. Yeah. Surprised that I liked that film. No expectations going into it. And then again, that was a film we've watched again this year. Has become one of those Christmas classics. So Netflix, you kind of have those trashy, romantic christmas films that you put on and it doesn't have to be christmas for the plot to matter Mm -hmm. but it's just nice to be at christmas or you get the ones that you're like oh this is a this is a traditional film yeah so i didn't know going into this one originally where it was going to be Mm. but i remember you know it's the same year as dolly parton's christmas on the square which we loved which we loved and you can go back into the archive to listen to us talk about Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. We're still Which, waiting for Christmas on the Circle, but you know. Boo. Which people do. They go back and listen to our episodes. We realised the yes. other day well, that people listen to our old episodes, which is crazy. It, yeah, and especially because we took a month away due yeah. to personal reasons. And yet people were still listening to us. You know, we weren't on Twitter or Instagram promoting the podcast because of these personal circumstances. Mm-hmm. We love you guys. I know. And it's one of those things where, like, obviously we're just sat in our flat recording our silly little podcast. And I, you take care of most of the social media. Mm -hmm. And I sort of, I sort of don't think about the fact that there are people listening to this because I just don't ever shut up about musicals. So this is just like normal chat. And it's crazy. That there are people listening to us That's and it. re-listening and to us. and Yeah, and we look at like, you know, what has been most listened to in December so far. And there's episodes that we recorded in 2020 that are up there. Mm-hmm. It's just really funny to me that, you it's know, so cool. people are either discovering the podcast for the first time or they go back and listen to episodes. And, yeah. you know, if that's any of you, A, thank you so I much. You but guys. also, let us know. Yeah. You know, we, we made it onto. And this is actually a really fun fact that I haven't got around to sharing on the socials yet. But we did get our Spotify wrapped. Yeah, we did. And podcasters, you'll have seen if you follow any other podcasts, they're posting these because actually we get specific facts. But we're a number one podcast for 192 of you, 
which is amazing to think about. So if you are one of those 192 where we're your number one podcast, let us know. Yeah, it's crazy. Top five for 554 people, which again, like, that's incredible. And top 10 for 775 people. Mm -hmm. It just amazes me, you know, like, like you say, we record this in our flat. Yeah. In the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And yet. You guys want to listen to us, so thank you. Very, very humbling. Yeah, it's so cool. But, jingle jangle. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad we left it a year, because I did enjoy this one, but I don't remember much about it. I know that it's got a really cute robot, and I know that I really enjoyed the songs. I think... I know that I really enjoyed the costumes. Yes. And I think it's got a tremendous cast as well. So we've got Forrest Whitaker mm-hmm. as Geronicus, as our main character. Now, I didn't know Forrest Whitaker could sing. I did, but only because I thought he was a Broadway person. But he's a movie person who then did some Broadway. Yeah. Uh, I, I know him from a lot of films. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, he's in Black Panther. But I remember seeing him in... Panic Room, for yep. instance. I've seen him in The Last King of Scotland, mm-hmm. which I think is where he won an Oscar for Best Actor. You will have probably seen him and liked him in Rogue One. Yes. Because you Well, seen I didn't like that film, but... <laughs> you liked Mads Mikkelsen. I like Mads Mikkelsen and I liked Forrest Whitaker's character and whatever his character's friend was called yeah I, i've not seen it but we are planning to like a star wars marathon like marathon mm-hmm. i like phone booth he's in phone booth mm-hmm. which is a film that i enjoy or at least i did i've not watched it for a long long time i haven't seen it you know he's a tremendous actor yeah we also have keegan michael key yes who you recognize from prom Yes, he was the head teacher or principal or whatever it was called in prom. But also, he's just a great comedic actor, so it's fun to see him as this villain. 2020 was a really good like month for, you know, December, November time. It was a really great month for Netflix musicals. Because we had Dolly Parton. Which was good. This. Yeah. And The Prom. Which was fine. It was fine, but <laughs> that's, like, that's three quite big... Yeah, that's true. Features quite quickly. But yes, I like Keegan-Michael Key. Mm -hmm. We have Anika Noni-Rose, who is the voice of Princess Tiana in Princess and the Frog, who is currently getting her in ride at Disney World, so good for her. Yeah, much much needed representation there of uh, Princess and the Frog. Mm -hmm. Ricky Martin. (laughs) Yeah, Ricky Martin is amazing in this. Yep. And Daddy Downton is in this one as well. Yeah, he is. So I'm optimistic going back into this one that it's going to be as good as I remember it being. Mm -hmm. Well, we also have the wonderful Madeline Mills playing, I guess not our lead character, maybe our insert character. I think she is the lead. Journey, yeah. Yeah, I think Journey is the lead. Well, she is, but the movie is named after the granddad, so... Um, it's well, it the is. family name. She's Journey Jangle. He's Geronica's Jangle. Yeah, it's the family name, so... Okay. 
well, we're assuming we, we never know Journey's surname, but obviously it might be that she has her dad's surname, but not that she has one. Yeah, we, we never actually know this. Uh, we also have uh, Lisa Davina Philip as Ms. Johnston, mm-hmm. but not Ms. Johnston's singing voice. Because who do we have as the singing voice for Ms. Johnston? We have Marisha Wallace. Yeah. Who I love. Huge musical theatre person. She was over here, actually, as the original Becky in Waitress in the West End. And then she was in Hairspray at the Coliseum. And then she played Ada Annie in Oklahoma. Yeah, and she was also Effie White uh, as the alternate in Dreamgirls. Mm Mm-hmm. But she took over the role from after Amber, Amber Riley left. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you do have some incredible talent in this little Netflix. Oh, you know what else she was in? What else was she in? Something Rotten. Which needs to come to the needs UK. Needs to come to the UK. It would do so well here. Royal Shakespeare Company. Hit us up. Make it <laughs> now. Let's do it. Interestingly, this one we can't find much about the production of, which I guess is on par for most like Netflix stuff. Yeah, like we have some information. So, Johnny Debney, who you actually researched for this one. Yeah, um, very, very eclectic composer and conductor. Long-time collaborator for Walt Disney. Mm -hmm. Has written music for films, uh, TV series and theme parks. So, for instance, Hocus Pocus 1 and 2. uh, The Princess Diaries. has done the uh, arrangement of When You Wish Upon a Star for the Walt Disney logo from 1985 to 2006. Mm-hmm. Also did Spy Kids. Yep. The Princess Diaries. Bruce Almighty. Yep, and Evan Almighty to go alongside it. Mm-hmm. Chicken Little. <laughs> Elf. And I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yeah. Which is great. I always think it's really interesting when you see somebody who works on very different films to then see how they do with a horror movie. Because I think it's fun. But this is a career as well that spans like five decades, Mm -hmm. starting in the 1980s. He's also the person who, if you were a child who was watching Disney movies before like 2006... He is the person that made the da 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 that was on all the VHSs and like isn't used anymore and it drives me insane. The one where everyone thinks that Tinkerbell's in it and she's not. But he also did the Doctor Who TV movie with Paul McGann. Oh, cool. So, so yeah, this guy getting involved is a good thing. He kept reaching out to David E. Talbot and the musical supervisor Julian Michaels. Being like, I want to do this film. Please let me do this film. And because he kept pestering them, they sent him the script. Yeah. And then when he had that, he sent a whole bunch of different demos back and was told, go big, make the most amazing score that you think you can come up with. And that's just like a huge job, essentially. Yeah. Which is really cool. And he said he wanted to create something really special and that the music department, the music team, really wanted to draw on two things. 
The first one, Victorian England. Yeah. And the second one is African-inspired music, culture, and costuming. And they basically went all out. They decided it was incredibly important culturally to have this film be so ingrained with African design and culture and music so that you weren't just getting another, you know, Victorian England yeah. is full of white people Christmas movie. Because obviously it wasn't. No. Like, it wasn't just, obviously. So they went big on the sort of culturally richness, cu- cultural richness of this score. So obviously they got a full orchestra. Yeah. <laughs> and went for it. But that's really one of the first things that they did with this. And originally it was just called Jingle Jangle. David E. Talbot, who directed and wrote it, he pitched it to Netflix. He was like, I want to make this film. Yeah, because I read that originally he was trying to make it as a Broadway show. Yeah. And nobody wanted it. And then he pitched it to Netflix and Netflix were like, hmm, yeah, okay. We'll put out feelers and we'll see who wants in on this. And obviously, somebody that responded was John Debney, but somebody else that responded was John Legend. Yeah. And so, as soon as John Legend signed on to produce this, Netflix were like, okay, we're going big. This is going to be good. (laughs) So then they brought in Mike Jackson Forrest Whitaker joined in 2018, and then in 2019, they announced the rest of the cast. And John Legend actually contributes some of the songs to this, which is awesome. Yeah. And it was filmed in Norwich in the UK, which is great because, like, the areas of Norwich that they've picked are very, like, historic looking. Like, they filmed in Elm Hill, which is a historic town section anyway. But... There's normal shops there. You know, you've got like a W.H. Smith's on the corner or whatever, but they turned all of these shop fronts into Victorian-looking shop fronts and then got everyone who works on that street to be extras in the film. Which is amazing because when I, what I remember of the film is it just looks like a set, like this really beautiful set. So the fact that it's not like a Hollywood backlot, that it's Norwich and has mm-hmm. been made to look like this yeah. is absolutely incredible. This film, I mean, we usually talk about, like, maybe how do things fare at the Oscars or the Tonys. This film was nominated in a lot of different award ceremonies, but perhaps the most prolific Mm -hmm. was the NAACP Image Awards. It was nominated for nine different awards and it won two of them. Mm -hmm. So you have Outstanding Motion Picture, Outstanding Action. In a motion picture, outstanding actress for Madeline Mills, which is incredible for a young yeah. performer. Outstanding in her su- first feature film. Yeah, outstanding support actress in a motion picture, which uh, Felicia Richard won it. Mm-hmm. Outstanding breakthrough performance in a motion picture, Madeline Mills won it. Excellent. Those are the only two it won of the, of the nine. Mm-hmm. But outstanding ensemble cast in a motion picture, outstanding soundtrack, compilation album, outstanding writing in a motion picture, and outstanding directing in a motion picture. You know, it, it's amazing that it won so many different things, was nominated for them, but won as well at the same time. So, you know, it's a film that even though 
hasn't been out that long and obviously we we haven't watched has had a big impact yeah outside of remembering the costumes fondly is there anything else you remember about this do you remember much of the plot um i know (laughs) no so we have this thing where that danny likes to joke about where he can literally tell me what he's buying me for Christmas and I will have forgotten by the next day. So we watched this film two years ago. Yeah. What I remember is that the robot is adorable. Yes. And he can fly, I think. And he gets kidnapped because the little girl makes him work. And then Keegan-Michael Key kidnaps him. And then the rest of the movie they spend like trying to get him back. That's the basic plot. The robot's like the main character, like the girl's sidekick kind of thing. You know, like how Disney princesses have a little animal sidekick yes. to talk to? Like, that's the robot. And so she follows him around, or he follows her around, and, oh, and they try to make the granddad happy again. The end. <laughs> Everyone lives happily ever after. Yeah. And I'm sure that's wrong. It's probably a very oversimplified version, but... I, 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 that's essentially what I remember as well, but I don't remember the intricate ins and outs of things. You know, I couldn't tell you who... Who is it? I couldn't tell you who Ricky Martin played, for instance. I don't remember his significance in this. Yeah. Interestingly as well... But isn't he also a robot? I, I don't remember. The other person I want to talk about as well quickly is Ashley Wallen who's the choreographer for this, mm-hmm. also has done choreography for The Greatest Showman and the 2021 Amazon Prime Cinderella that we talked about earlier this year. Yeah. And we really enjoyed the choreography in that. And we'll talk about The Greatest Showman properly at some point, I'm sure, because we both have thoughts. So many thoughts. But one of the things I know that I did like about that was the choreography, that I thought it was very well choreographed. So I don't think I've misremembered how much I enjoyed the choreography in this one. Mm-hmm. The final bit as well, following the success of the film, David E. Talbot and his wife co-authored and they released a picture book of this. Oh, the Square Root of Possible, Square root yeah. Square Possible, which I would love to get. I didn't know that existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited to go back to this one. I think it's a good uh, selection for like our modernish Christmas up there. I think with Anna and the Apocalypse, Dolly Parton, and Elf. And what did we talk about last year? The Grinch. Oh well, so it'll be better than the Grinch, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I liked the Grinch. I, I did enjoy that one. Yeah. Yeah. So we are going back to Norwich. Which is really interesting at Norwich, England. Mm-hmm. And we will be back to talk all things Jingle Jangle after intermission. See you shortly. And we are back. Yes, we have jingled and jangled all night long. Mm-hmm. And I had an absolute blast rewatching this one. Me too. I really enjoyed it. 
and I'm very glad that we did have that kind of break from it because watching it again just it's completely enraptured with it yeah there's a lot of Christmas movies that I watch year in year out that I watch because they give me that really nice sense of like it's Christmas Mm -hmm. but it was really nice just watching this one again kind of being familiar with it and just enjoying the experience again Mm. did this one hold up for you yes definitely clearly i did not remember the plot of this film because (laughs) i well in listening to this i will have literally just said that the plot is about the robot yeah the robot he's like not in it but it's so cute so cute i want a pop of him right I want some Pop Funkos from this film. Yeah. I want a Pop Funko of Buddy to add to my Pop Funko cute robot collection. Because I have Dio and BB-8. You're welcome. I love them both. Specifically the BB-8 with the thumbs up. That was a excellent... I think that was a Christmas gift. It was our first Christmas, yeah. Yeah, that was a good present. And I need Buddy to go with them. Yeah, and I really like just the costumes generally but like having a little Geronicus mm-hmm. but you could also have like Gustafsson with Don Juan Diego yeah yeah you know like there's some really cute character design here mm-hmm. you can have one of those like pop moments of Journey and Edison going down the tunnel yeah on the thing with uh, Buddy's arms sticking yeah. out that's cute I, I yeah I really enjoyed this film and it's a shame there isn't like more merchandise of it, which mm-hmm. I, you know, I guess it is a Netflix feature, but still, yeah. let's give this film some love. One of the things I really like with this is that it is kind of the non-linear narrative. Yeah. That it starts at the end, but we don't know that yet. Mm-hmm. You have a little girl staring into the fireplace and she sees some like sparks and her brother gaslights her and is like, there's nothing there. You're seeing things. You're just pretending. Mm-hmm. And then in comes grandma. She's going to tell them a new story. And the, the boy complains that it's not the night before Christmas. Yeah. And this is where we get the really awesome cogwork book that she goes to open it. Like you see all the cogs. Yes. And She's, she has to say the name of the book so she says this is the story of Geronica's Jangle and then the book opens and like comes to life it's very cool yeah and throughout the film we always get these cool moments that kind of like fill in the blanks as we move forward Mm -hmm. but the storybook sequences are done with like these automatrons and just the design and the artwork in this is absolutely fantastic yeah it it really is just crazy how nice these sequences are and how well used they are yeah because one of the or well one of my complaints about movies is often narration yes you know i i don't find it helpful especially somebody who has to watch all films with subtitles on if i can't see someone talking i just i find it quite difficult so having narration like this Mm. is such a good way to get around it what were we talking about while we were watching this film that we were saying should be should have scenes like this? Oh, I cannot remember for the life of me. No. I didn't jot it down in my notes. 
I think it was Wicked. Oh yes, Wicked. We did. We did kind of pause and go down the whole Wicked casting. Yeah, we rabbit were, hole. We were looking at the casting that's just been announced for Wicked with the Wizard. Yeah. Um, being Jeff Goldblum, which I think is going to be cool. But we were talking about the sort of prologue section where but, they show the, you know, the have another drink, my dark eyed beauty. Yeah, that, that bit. This bit, that, that, that should be that done in this, in this style. that was in this style, that would be so cool. Yeah, because the thing is, it's kind of like stop motion as well. Like it, it kind of looks like the traditional Christmassy claymation, but it's not. It's got that nice little steampunk twist on it. Mm, and all of them move like robotics almost yeah like it is the storybook but it, it keeps because it's like it's a pop-up book but it keeps the cogs that this is a mechanical pop-up book oh yeah. it's just so beautiful there's mm. no like wasted frame in this whole film like everything looks amazing yeah which so we get our opening song yes this day yeah, we've got uh, Geronicus Jangle, who is the best inventor ever, and his apprentice Gustafsson, who isn't quite as good. He's trying to create this twirly-whirly, and it breaks, and all the crowds in Jingle Jangles... Laugh at him, laugh and, and just... are like, oh, he's just an apprentice. But this is the thing, like, this shop is filled with so much wonder, and the set dressing is great. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've not seen this, the closest comparison I can make is, like, Weasley's... Wizard Wheezes. From Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium. I've not seen that one, so I don't actually know. I would say we'll watch it, but that film is sad. And that, yeah. It's hard to watch that movie. It just is so much joy in this mm-hmm. shop, which then, when we transition to the later scenes, like it makes it even more tragic mm-hmm. when you see the life that you have here. And we do get this day, which is just one of the best opening numbers in a musical film ever. Yeah. And in the background of this entire sequence, we're inside the shop and then they go out into the sort of town courtyard. It's not square. And all of the shops around the square are named after black inventors. Yes. From the real world, not fictional ones, which is really cool. I think it's a real shame that we don't get more of Justin Cornwell, you know, the younger Geronicus. Like he does his re- a really good job in this prologue. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I know that for the nature of this, we do have to move past him. Yeah. But he's just brilliant in this. Mm -hmm. And his voice is so, like, brilliant, optimistic and soulful. Yeah. It does really give you um, Greater Showman vibes, this opening sequence. Um, You know, the, I close my eyes and I can see a world that's waiting there for me like that uh, as a comparison you can really get Mm -hmm. those vibes from it and especially with the choreography but the optimism Mm -hmm. that everything is going to get better he's got this package and we don't know what's inside it yet but that's what's prompted this song because everything's changing like he says he's going to give all this stuff away you know all his merchandise because his package is that special and (laughs) Okay, didn't mean it in that way. We see his daughter, Jessica. Yes. And she wants to know what's going on. And it's very clear from the lyrics of this. And it's really good where you've got like the exposition in the lyrics. Mm -hmm. That it's very clear that everything he's doing is to provide for her and to give her opportunities. Yeah, we get this bit during the song where she's saying like, 
what are you doing? And he says, you know that thing you wanted? And she's like, what thing? And he says, I'll buy you a hundred of them. It doesn't matter. And it's really nice. And again, really important for where the narrative arc of this film is going. Mm -hmm. This is a man who has got literally the world at his feet. He has a family that loves him and he loves them. Mm -hmm. And it's all going to come tumbling down. But this is a really good opening number to get me to know the world but also to root for this character. Yeah. After the song, he's storming up to his workshop to to see whatever's in this package, and Gustafsson wants that attention, and he looks a little bit miffed that he's not getting the attention. It's kind of like everything now. Yeah. And we go into his amazing workshop, which again is just like paradise, this mechanical paradise. Mm Mm-hmm. And you've got Jessica who's like, I'll go get my goggles and I'll go get my apron because she wants to be just like her dad. Yeah. Which I think is really cute. Well, and so she can kind of... Actually, she can't, can she? She can't see the thing that she he can. She can't see the magic, no. No, but she does... When he's doing the magic, which only he can see when he's sort of writing in the air, she's behind him doing it. But we don't see any magic coming off of her. And it's this really cool sequence. Like, it's almost like uh, Iron Man with Robert Downey Jr. where he's, you know, interacting with his computers and he's manipulating everything. So you think that sequence in Iron Man 2 where he sees the park and he's getting rid of everything to try and create this new element. It's like that here where you see these like sparks and he's writing the equations Mm -hmm. for this brand new like formula for this brand new creation and it's so cool to look at it gives very much like you know when people describe synesthesia to you yes that's what i picture it to look like is that where synesthesia the pokemon gets his name from no that's a sinister cup of tea okay well it's just you know, similar words. <laughs> no, synesthesia is where you um, can see sounds. Okay. There's other versions of it, like where you can taste what co- some words sound like and like what colours are like. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. But the the one that people know, I think most commonly, is being able to see sounds, whether that's as a colour or as like a spark or something like that. They used it in Heroes. Not in, not like. Um... Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness where they have the cool piano fight with the notes. No. No, it's like in Heroes. I've not watched much of Heroes, but I know that in the first season somewhere, there's a woman who... The guy who can steal other people's powers. Spock. No. Yeah, no, it's it's Spock. No, it's not. It's the other guy. Yeah, it's the guy who plays Spock. No, it isn't. He's the... No, so you got Peter Petrelli. Him. Okay. He, he bumps steal, into this woman. He doesn't steal powers. No, he but he can. He no, can borrow people's can, powers. There you go. That's that's the key word that I wanted there, because there's a difference, which you haven't seen heroes, so you don't know. But there is a character who's actively <laughs> stealing powers. Yeah, but he has to kill people to do exactly. that. Exactly. So That's why I thought that's what you meant. <laughs> no, I know what Spock does. Um I'm sure he has a name that I just can't remember. I feel bad about that. Uh, it's, it's, it's Zachary, Zachary Quinto. Quinto. Yeah, but Peter bumps into this woman. This is like the only episode I remember seeing. And when he bumps into her, he sort of goes about the rest of his day and he hears music suddenly. Yeah. And he's like assaulted by these waves of colours just hitting him. And then he manages to track her down somehow. And 
they're stood in a room while this kid is playing the violin or something and they're both looking at it and then they sort of chat about it mm. and it's just really cool we should because watch it's Heroes. not technically a superpower but I liked that they treated it like that yeah so we go into the workshop and he gets this package open and it's he, he has this whole contraption that takes this extract from something mm-hmm. and he gives it to his little uh, matador toy Don Juan Diego and imbues him with life and sentience yeah. And I again, you know, considering this is a Netflix production, you know, I'm I know Netflix put money into it and you get some really like amazing things, but I still kind of think of like made for TV movies. Mm-hmm. The CGI is really good for this. Yeah. And that might be as well because, you know, there's motion capture for this. So obviously, yes. you know, they've they've animated over top uh Johnny Laby's movements mm-hmm. but it's just really cool and and Ricky Martin's voice goes really well with it mm-hmm. yeah he's very good as this character so Geronicus makes this doll and buys the teeniest tiniest drop of whatever this magic solution is yeah. that's going to bring him to life and it works and then he's like, incredible, let's mass produce this. I don't think he uses all of the drop. I think it's just he uses a small amount of the mass. He uses a drop. Yeah. yeah. He's like, this is incredible. We're going to mass produce this. I'm going to be rich and famous. Like, this is going to be the best toy that any kid has ever had. First of all, this little guy, even, like, assuming that Geronicus gave him, like, a soul. Mm-hmm. Because I guess that's what happened. Does he have his own personality? Or is this what Geronicus designed him to be? Because I'm, if so, what kid would want that toy? So this is the thing is, I actually feel... He's the worst. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it, it's the personality thing. I think each one's different. Like, he clicks a button. It's almost like, we made the joke as we're watching. It's like, ah, see, the problem is that he had it set to evil mode. Yeah. Uh, what it does raise, though, is this more problematic notion of consent yeah because he's imbued this little dude with a soul and, and then he's like gonna sell you yeah Bye. it's like life he's he's bestowed life on this mm-hmm. and and then he's is confused of, when diego is like i'm out see you later. i want to be one of a kind yeah like the grinch but they play it off as if he's being selfish yeah or not even selfish, but vain by being like, yeah. I'm one of a kind. And it's like, yeah, you literally are. But it really is like, you know. He also potentially can't die. Yeah, it all survive the apocalypse. Yeah. This is, this is the universe where Toy Story starts. You know, like, jump forward a hundred years. And this is where we have Andy and his toys that can come to life, but they pretend not to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and so my other query with this film is just Gustafsson as a character. Yeah. Because I get adult him having been manipulated into this sort of lifestyle where he gets rich and famous really easily without having to put in any of the work. I understand that adult version of him. Yeah. But this young version of him who is literally apprenticed to Geronicus 
I don't get what his problem is. You're literally here to work. No, this is the problem is, and I think it's a really good job, just that simple scene of him saying, give me some help. And him being, in his view, like brushed aside. Like, ask me as- tomorrow kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, his view being brushed aside, that he doesn't get respect. I just think... And he wants everything now. He wants it quick. And Don Juan is like, oh, hey, you can do this and you can have it quick. And there's, I think, a bit of resentment because in his mind right now, Geronicus doesn't care about him. Geronicus isn't going to help him. Geronicus cares more about his fame and his family. Mm-hmm. And that's wrong, and it's not the case, as we're going to learn in a second, but that's how he views it. So mm. I think it's, he yeah. allows himself to be manipulated because of his own um, insecurities. He knows he'll never be as good, and yeah. he hasn't made progress. It's a moment of weakness that I think Don Juan plays off very well. Mm. And we get the phenomenal Borrow Indefinitely song, which I think is very Disney-esque as a villain song which obviously makes sense considering we have John Debney's score mm-hmm. of course it sounds like a Disney villain song and again his movements as well the choreography for this is great yes the I'm just going to jump ahead a little bit for a second yeah and I say a little bit I'm jumping ahead to the credits <laughs> yes at the end of this film in the credits, we have another animated sequence. Yes, we do. In which it shows that they do, in fact, mass-produce Diego. Yeah. Um. There's an episode of Kim Possible. <laughs> this is such a tangent. Um, where they mass-produce these little robots that are like Happy Meal toys. Yeah. And they all turn evil and take over the world. And I really feel like that's what these Diegos are going to do. I don't think they will, because I think he figured out the evil switch. Yeah, you think? Yeah. I think Journey figured out the evil switch. Yeah. Probably. You know, they, they figured out the evil switch. They, they, they've they certainly... He's the prototype. They're building on the prototype and they're maybe figuring out, like... Mm-hmm. The like glitches. Small, for me, it's more like small soldiers that, you know, they've got, like, the military chip in. You know, like... Have you ever seen small soldiers? No. Oh, it's great. It's where the military create toys and you have, like, the Gorgonites... Versus the army men. And the army men have like actual like military hardware in their brains. That sounds so creepy. And it's got like a young Kirsten Dunst in it. Is it a horror movie? No, it's great. It's like a little action film, but for kids. And the toys go to war with each other. What? Um, Tommy Lee Jones voices the main bad guy. Of course he does. It's great. Oh, we'll have to watch that because it's just such a brilliant film. It's got a really good sequence with Barbies as well. Excellent. But yes, it, you know, does raise, like, concerns with what's going to happen. I think they workshop it. Like, obviously, you know, Don Juan is the prototype. Yeah. He is one of a kind, and that's what's going to help them, mm-hmm. you know, with Wave 2. Yeah. So, Gustafsson is convinced by Don Juan Diego to steal him and also Geronicus's book of designs. Which is, like, 30 years worth of... Christmas. Yeah, it's a pretty hefty book. And Well, they're not stealing. Because they're borrowing, borrowing indefinitely. In, indefinitely, yeah. But right. The next bit of narration. Oh, but before the next bit of narration, we have that really tragic thing where Geronicus comes up. He's like, When I said it was family dinner, I meant all of us. You're included. 
And he's you got didn't a little think present. I wouldn't help you? Yeah. We little... find out later that what and, the present is. And, and it's just so heartbreaking because he can see that in that moment. And I think it's really good because it actually shows that Gustafsson is not uh, the right in the right here. Geronicus mm-hmm. is a good person and does care about him, which then makes it more tragic. Yeah. So we have this other bit of illustration. Yeah, and narration where they're like... Right, and the reason why this matters to me is because it's animated. Yes. And when you make an animated sequence, there's no room for error. Yes. Everything that is put in... As we just saw in the Polar Express. Yeah. Every, but everything that is put in is put there for a purpose. Yes. And I'm talking specifically about background design and props. Yep. And so we see the sort of pedestal that Geronicus's Book of Inventions was on and Grandma tells us that with no proof of what Gustafsson had done, Geronicus like couldn't do anything about it and so he can't prove anything to the police. But the pedestal is right there and there's literally a dust outline of where the book was and I was like, I feel like any police officer could walk into this room and be like, well there was definitely something here. And it's been stolen. <laughs> and also, like... I hadn't noticed that. It's not your job to provide proof of something. If and you're you saying th- something's been stolen, they could just go arrest you, him. You would think. You would think as well. Geronic is being, like, a famous would inventor. Would be respected as yeah. well. Also, I love that he's a famous inventor, but he's a toy maker. Yeah. But, like, not saying that's a bad thing, but, like... They play it off as if he's invented, like, the steam engine. Yeah. And actually what he makes is toys. Yeah, but um, the best toys. He's like oh, yeah, really it's, wonker it's of cool. toys. But what we learn, and, and I'll tell you what, I really like the way we go back and forth to Grandma, but we don't overdo it. We get, like, small bits of exposition. Mm-hmm. Is we learn that Jeronic uh, has lost his touch, and he saw Gustafsson excel, and we get the words, the magic, it seemed, had escaped him. Mm-hmm. And this is when we then learn as well that his wife has died mm-hmm. in the misery. And we see adult Jessica leaving because there's a wedge between them now. Yeah. And when we come back, we have Forrest Whitaker now as Geronicus. He refuses to invent and he's left sad and alone. Mm-hmm. And we also see that his, his shop is now... Pawnbroker, yeah, and it's just—it really is like dim and dark and tragic. Like it's such a juxtaposition. All the light has been sucked out of this. Yeah, there's no soul to it anymore. We do meet Edison, who I think is very cute. I think he's really cute. He is the new assistant for Geronicus. He wants to be the apprentice. He wants to invent, but isn't really getting anything because Geronicus has no passion anymore. Yeah. We the also... thing is, though, Edison's not important in this film because his name doesn't begin with a J. That is very true. Mm-hmm. And Gustafsson, obviously, a G is the opposite of a J, so it's like the reflected yeah. shape, essentially. So <laughs> Edison's not important. Edison is there for journey. It's journey, you know? Edison is there to be flounder. Yes. The I, I feel like I talk about this every no, time no, 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 no. You're we watch a movie, to. but when you have a hero character who spends a lot of their time alone, 
we need someone for them to emote to and normally that's a non yeah. talking animal character that they like narrate what they Pocahontas with Flip. Well and we were Nico? watching Home Alone and you were like, why did he talk to himself when he does this? And it's because of that same reason. It's because he doesn't have, he doesn't have the someone. little animal character to talk to. It's not like he carries the tarantula around and talks to yeah. it, which he should. That would be a way better God, film. Yeah. But, as much as I love Home Alone. But in this, that is Edison's job. Yeah, because Journey needs someone to talk to and Edison is is not her equal but does offer moments where he contributes something unlike yeah, Flounder he's helpful sometimes he's helpful sometimes how dare you Flounder is very helpful what does Flounder do he's a guppy oh he's a guppy <laughs> we do Sebastian then Sebastian's right argument Sebastian's a glorified babysitter who definitely got fired from a different job is Sebastian a crab or a lobster he's a crab see he's a lobster he's not he's, he's a lobster He's not, because in the song Le Poisson, Le Poisson, Le Poisson, Chef Louis calls him a crab. Yeah, I know, but he does not look like a crab. Yes, he, he looks does, like a lobster. Because all the lobsters in the film are deep ocean lobsters, and they're all blue, like deep ocean lobsters. Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> Love you. Love you. So we also meet uh, Ms. Johnston. Who is important because her name begins with a J. Yes. Therefore, she has to end up with Geronicus. I like that she calls him Jerry. I love that. And she's widowed, but she definitely fancies him. And he's he's not interested. She does look... I'm obsessed with her. Yeah. She's probably my favourite character in this film. She's great. It's interesting because she looks a lot younger than Forrest Whitaker does. But, but she's also ever... obviously an adult Yeah, woman. I, it doesn't ever bug me. You know how sometimes like you look at the age and like those two shouldn't be paired off? It doesn't matter here. Yeah, just... she doesn't look like a teenager, you know? No, they're just two like people who are, have both gone through the same thing. And she's the person who's dealt with it. And not dealt with it, but you know what I mean? Come through the other side. <laughs> she went to therapy. She's good. She's like moved on with her life and knows that she has to choose happiness now. I think the thing is, though, what people will forget, and certainly what she won't be seeing, is she will look at it on the surface of, we're both widows, like, we can move on together. They're not accounting for the fact that he's lost the creativity, he's lost his business, like, he's lost everything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she's got her nine spoons, he's got four at this point. Yeah. But I really... the, The other thing with this film... She keeps calling him Jerry, like yeah. he said. And he has this thing that he says over and over again, where he keeps being like, why will nobody call me by my name? So, like, she calls him Jerry, uh, Journey calls him Grandpa Jay, and Buddy can't pronounce his name yeah. properly. And he's like, why won't anyone just call me by my name? And it doesn't really go anywhere, but it's repeated so many times that it almost becomes the... Thesis of the movie. I think it's where he's lost that charm in the world. Well, I kind of assumed it's because he's had so much of his creativity taken from him. And then at the end, when we see the big J on top of the building, you're supposed to be like, oh, well. But then again, it doesn't say Geronicus. No, see, this is the thing is I think right now it's a case of he's so depressed. All he has is his name and people aren't giving him that. Yeah. That's it. That's all he has. By the end, he doesn't care because he's got a family again and he's got his creativity back and he's got inspiration that what's in a name, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. 
Miss Johnson sings an excellent song called Miles and Miles, which yes. is about how far she would go to get with him, which I love. Yeah, this is her date me song and it's great. Uh, there's a bit where he says, are you drunk? And she just goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's cute. And then background dancers come in and you've got Forrest Whitaker goes, background dancers? Yeah, and it's three guys who we see a lot in the background of a lot of shots of this film. And he obviously just sort of knows them outside of this sequence. Yeah. And he's like, guys, what are we doing? I love it. And then Daddy Downton arrives. And I couldn't remember his role within this. So I instantly think... He's Mr. Delacroix. Yes. The banker? Yeah. Mark. <laughs> and especially after Mary Poppins returns where we had Colin Firth, Colin Firth. Mm-hmm. you know, uh, his heel turn where, mm-hmm. you know, Axel Nice and then is evil. I didn't know if we could trust Daddy Downton. Yeah. You know, is he good or is he bad? He says that the bank wants a return on their 30-year investment. Either he's got to pay the loan by Christmas or provide his sensational revolutionary invention. Yeah. And the way he does it, I'm very much gravitating towards he's a good guy. You know, he's he's full of remorse. Yeah, they're obviously like mates and he just happens to also have this job. I, I think he's perhaps the most underutilized character in this. You've got quite a big name and he shows up in two scenes and he's probably on the screen for five minutes. Yeah, which is a shame really, because recently we watched the first season of Galavant. Yeah. And he's in it and he can sing. He's not like an amazing phenomenal singer but he's a good singer yeah and i feel i mean i don't know what he would do you know narratively there's nothing else for him to do however i think it's a shame of underutilizing a very talented performer it's kind of a shame that we don't see them as friends at any point like it would be nice if you know, every every week on a Thursday at four, he comes for tea. Yeah, or something like that. You know, he has comes a conversation to make sure that with because he's eating. Yeah, has a conversation with Journey and is all like, "Oh, who are you? Maybe you'll be the one that makes this store something great again." Yeah, you know, something through the middle act when Journey's starting to flounder. Mm-hmm. So Geronicus runs up to his workshop. He opens his trunk to get his book out, and what does his trunk have on it? Yeah, it has a Wakanda sticker on which is very, very cool. Mm -hmm. And he finds something that he believes could change his fortune, but he needs Jessica. And we get a sequence where he struggles to write with her, write to her. Mm -hmm. And this is where we learn that Jessica has a child. Yes. And it's Journey. Mm -hmm. And we get Not the only one, which is such a lovely little song. You know, she's just got this beautiful voice. I really do think that uh, Madeline Mills, I'm going to say now, she's my MVP. Mm-hmm. Like, undoubtedly. You know, she's. Yeah, this kid is going places. She's already been on Broadway. Yeah, this is her debut film performance. But she was previously in School of Rock on Broadway where yeah. she played. One of the backup dancer character girls. Yeah. And then became Tamika. Tamika. But, you know, you factor in the fact that with this film, she is like 10 at the time of filming. Mm -hmm. She's incredible. And her voice is just lovely to hear. So she's invited to Geronicus's place and she's very, very excited to meet her grandfather. Because they've never met before. Yeah. Her costume is great. I love the way she has like the little cogs in her hair as well. Mm-hmm. 
and yeah we we see the town as she arrives in this carriage but jonicus doesn't actually remember her yeah or know her name he's buying an egg an egg an egg that's all he, all he's going to eat singular egg and it, it's not the f- best first meeting between them he says that children are a creative vacuum that's not what he needs right now yeah but she perseveres follows him in he has no idea of why she's here mm-hmm. he doesn't remember writing the letter he doesn't even remember her name it's, it's something with a j and a u but it doesn't... And she's like it's journey and he's like that has a j and a u i was right <laughs> But eventually he says, you know, I'll allow you to stay. He sees a picture of young Jessica, but he makes her sign this NDA, mm-hmm. which I don't begrudge him. He has been burned previously, and he uses this invisible ink type thing that only shows up under a black light. Which is very cool. Mm-hmm. Like, very cool. And I, I don't blame him. I think it's supposed to be like, a, oh, he's a grumpy man now. Mm, perhaps I'm old, and I just think that that makes sense. Yeah. You know, NDA, please. <laughs> you know. Sure. But I do think she's she's incredibly cute. And she's exactly what he needs. Mm-hmm. And what, you know, this shop needs is her life, her spark. Yeah. And then we cut to uh, Gustafsson's factory. And he's searching for something. Mm-hmm. But what? And we, we get another nice storybook sequence that shows his meteoric rise over 30 years. Yeah. And he's run dry. He's got no ideas anymore. Mm-hmm. So he goes back to his baby, the one thing he ever created, the Twirly Whirly. Yes. Which goes well. Initially. Yeah. For I like 30 seconds. I love Magic Man G. I yeah, think this he's... is a good song. And he's obviously thriving on the attention <laughs> yeah and just his performance like uh, i'd say in terms of the adult performers he's my mvp mm-hmm. just because like there's so much flash to him and and vulnerability as well i think when he knows things are going wrong yeah i i really like his performance here um i, I love his costume too like he looks amazing the choreography here is impeccable but the twirly whirly starts breaking it fries someone's face yeah and you know back to the drawing board Mm -hmm. i love that we have don juan is still around and he has like little stairs that he can climb up to get onto uh, gustafsson's desk and he says that they should borrow again from jj after slapping you know yeah he's like stop trying to come up with your own stuff you suck yeah well, he did. The first time he met, he's like, oh, you have the, the stink of failure on you. Mm-hmm. You stink of it. He knows that Gustafsson has nothing to offer the world. We cut back. Journey wants to know what Geronicus is working on, but he wants quiet. She's looking at his equations and she corrects a mistake. And I really like the bit where he's like get, asking her questions and she gives the answer. He's like, you've, you've cheated. You've looked at my work. So... He writes one. He's like, no, don't look over my shoulder. Don't look over my shoulder. Mm-hmm. And she solves it. She's a genius. And she works on the formulas the same way he does. And he's like, you can see this? And she's like, yeah, can't you? He goes, not anymore. And he walks off despondent. Yeah. Now, 
the idea he's working on, Buddy 3000, it's in Jessica's journal. So this isn't an idea that he's had. He was 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 no buddy is Jessica's design, but Jessica can get him to work. So was Jessica the one who was always creating it pre her leaving, or was he creating it to gift to Jessica? Like he'd seen her design and was like, "I'm going to gift you." Well, we see that when she's a child, she draws Buddy. Yeah, and she's like, "Here's how I think it would work," and she gives it to the dad, and. Then he takes it, and then the next time we see it, it's got way more writing on it. Yeah. So I think he was working on it, but it was her idea. Yeah. We get the square root of possible, mm-hmm. which is really inspiring and uplifting. I love this song. Yeah. This is a great song. It's just perfect. And again, the fact that she's got such a powerful voice. I mean, we're going to have two films this month where we talk about amazing young performers and Mm -hmm. how strong their voices are and just how they carry their respective films yeah she's just brilliant in everything and this song is great i love how like the magic equations surround her it's just brilliant Mm -hmm. like it's such a good song this will make it onto the playlist i tell you what i also really like is the fact that the songs aren't overtly christmassy Mm mm-hmm you know, it's not like you could put this on your musical playlist and it wouldn't be like out of place because it's Christmas songs. Yeah. It's just really nice. She explores his old workshop and she finds Edison there and they start bickering over who's going to uh, be the other's apprentice. I mean, yeah, I guess they move very quickly with this, don't they? Because Edison isn't important. Yeah. They just need to kind of get in. Because we're like an hour into the film at this point, and it's a two-hour film, and it's like, we need to start actually getting to some narrative, don't we? Mm-hmm. And they find Buddy. Yes. And... He's adorable. Oh, I love him. And He's... he only works if you believe in him, which yes. I love. Yeah, they, they press the little thing inside of him. Mm-hmm. Or no... Th- they find him and they, she recognises this because she recognises the design. So she goes... And because she saw that Geronicus yeah. was working on himself. So she goes to Geronicus's desk, grabs the little like battery or the on switch, mm-hmm. puts it on, starts and he comes to life. His voice is cute. Mm-hmm. Like everything about him is just amazing. Yeah. I want one. I want a Pop Funko of him. No. Funko. Jingle jangle pops, please. <laughs> we'll die on this hill. Uh, there's some great bits where like Buddy starts like flying and you have a bit where Edison shouts, I don't want to die. I haven't even hit puberty. Which is so cute. Yeah. I love, this is the thing. Edison is such an interesting background character because he's constantly being called home by his mum. Yeah. Which is such a cute little thing. And his little catchphrase is he'll always like bump his head and then be like, I'm okay. And then Buddy starts repeating it. I know. Because a lot of what Buddy says is repeated from other people's things. So every time Buddy gets hurt, they go, I'm okay. Buddy is basically a Furby. Yeah, essentially. But he can make you fly and is more intelligent. And doesn't want to murder you while you're asleep. Yeah, it doesn't look terrifying if you tear its you, flesh off. You don't have to bury it in the garden and just get it to be quiet, which is what my dad did with our Furby. This is the thing, is I remember Furby being the Christmas toy and I, I, I liked and I played with my Furby. For like so I got one. Ten minutes. All of, like, three days before it just became, like... The Grinch had a point mm-hmm. where he's, like, you know, talking about the neckties and everything that gets thrown up at the dump. 
We learn that Buddy has always worked. He just needed someone to believe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the second Geronicus arrives, the belief, his disbelief stops Buddy from working. Yeah. The whimsical nature of that whole sequence was great. Like, this felt like proper, like, child discovery. Mm-hmm. And we also see that Gustafsson is spying and, and sees Buddy and is like, there we go, that's what I'm going to steal. Yeah. Geronicus refuses to listen to Journey. He gets angry. And then we get Forrest Whitaker singing over and over. Mm-hmm. Which, like, for me, was incredible because I, I just didn't know how strong a performer he was that he could sing like this. Yeah, and this song is really, really well performed too. And it's like a really effective, sad song at this point. It's kind of quite lame is in a way. Mm -hmm. That it's like um, a little fall of rain or um, what's the other one Eponine sings? My favourite one that I can't remember the name of right now. Now I'm all alone again. On my own. Yeah. It's almost like it's, it's... Quite like that, where it's just, like, so sombre, but powerful. So he leaves, and he misses Buddy Glow. Because, like, Buddy's like, I want you to believe. This scene's creepy, where we get Gustafsson and Journey in the alley. It's, like, the most villainous and scary he comes across. Which is funny, because he's trying so hard to seem cool. Yeah. But I love that she sees him... And he sits down and he's like, you must be Journey, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, yeah, you're Gustafsson. And he's like, oh. <laughs> and he tries okay. to manipulate her, but she's like... It's a pawn shop. Yeah, it's just a pawn shop and sees right through him. But there's an awful bit where she goes to get up and he grabs her and he just looks really aggressive. Like, mm. it felt very uncharacteristic, which I guess is his descent into, like, failure. Yeah. But it's just, it's a very, like... I love that Journey is strong enough to, like, I'm not scared of this. We'll just, Mm -hmm. we'll get on with it. Yeah. The next day, there's a notice on Jangles. The store is closing. Yep. And, um... Everything (laughs) must go. Everything must go. Miss Johnston gets the mistletoe out. And, uh, like, he's gone to be like, oh, I need to do a delivery. And she gets the mistletoe out. And she's like, oh, he's like, I don't have time for this. But you missed me. I'm so pleased. But he does frustrate her enough. Um, and you know but she sort of goes a little bit crazy yeah she takes his package and just throws it in the back of her post van and mm-hmm. it, you hear it like shatter and then we get the really fun snowball sequence mm-hmm. like Journey starts a snowball fight which is so nice this is filmed in Norwich so yeah. again it's not a backlot somewhere or a set it's like actual streets in a town which i always think is crazy because if you look at the street that they're in so tiny Mm. getting all your filming equipment in there must be so difficult and but i'm glad that they did because it's a really nice setting yeah and it's just a really nice sequence as well because it's the first time we see geronica start to come alive again Mm -hmm. you know and he's he's got that like wonder back in his eyes and like everyone starts getting involved in it like you have kids dancing the rest of town starts throwing things um i'd say this is you know the song over goes over it grandpa uh meanie or main i i'm not sure how you pronounce that me 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 so we have grandpa me me the song itself is the most forgettable, I'd say, of the whole thing, because it's second to the sequence here. It's yeah, like... it's the action that's more important in this case. And while the music is beautiful, it's more 
augmenting the rest of it. But he's starting to use his magic again, which yes, is he draws, so cool. He draws on someone's dusty window. Like, could you imagine I being I think it's on, just frosty. Yeah, but could you imagine being on the inside of that window and be like, why are you drawing on my window? Why are you writing random equations on my window? Yeah, yeah. right? It's crazy. There's a nice bit where Geronicus hits a policeman at the end. And then just puts his hands Holds his out. hands out, yeah, yeah, to get arrested. Uh, he does not get arrested. He does not get arrested. Gustafsson does approach Edison, though, in Jingle's shop. Mm-hmm. And Jingle, yeah, is the shop is called Jingle Jangles. Is it just Jangles? Nice. Geronicus Jangles. Like okay. So he approached him in Jangle's shop and like, uh-oh, you know this isn't going to go well. And I think that's why we've had Edison as well. Like he is, he wants to be Journey, but he doesn't have the will. Yeah. And Journey returns, finds his glasses, finds him tied up mm-hmm. and Buddy's gone. So they decide they're going to hide in Mrs. J's van and they're going to sneak into Gustafsson's. Yeah. Which is why we get like into the main action of this, I think, like... Now we've got stakes and the action is, like, shifting up into fifth gear. Mm-hmm. Gustafsson has already called for the press, which is a little bit premature. Um, and he unveils Buddy, and Buddy does nothing. Yeah. That's two failures in, like, two days for Gustafsson. Like, the press are not impressed with him. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, this is the thing. He has a hype man. And the hype man gives this great, like, introduction, but the press don't applaud. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, after one failure. You'd imagine if this hype man had been doing it before the Twirly Whirly, been standing ovation, like, huge whoops. Yeah. But this time it's not going so well. No. And he orders uh, that Buddy go to the Crusher. So we know that Journey and Edison are going to work together to find him. Geronicus is concerned because he can't find Journey, so Mrs. J gives him a hand. Mm-hmm. It's like, I will call you Jerry because I'm the one helping you. Yeah. Off they go. She's a terrible driver. She's a terrible driver. But it's new, so she's not used to it. Yeah, I, I, I misremembered that. I thought it was just a horse and carriage. No, it was it's like the truck. Time yeah, but it's this great little truck. Um, And we have this whole escape sequence where... They find Buddy, they cause a distraction, and they get away with him. You've got Gustafsson and Don Juan arguing again, being like, you sure you, you made it to crush? I mean, why else would people be here? Look, of course they've come to steal it, because you're an idiot. Like, mm-hmm. of course it worked. And they accidentally start a fire, which I was like, what? So, like, this incinerator room. It's not an incinerator, is it? It's like... um calling vent they set the room ablaze yeah and they are now stuck between a rock and a hard place they've got the fire one way and they've got this huge fan the other way that they they, they they're not getting through that fan mm-hmm. so journey tells geronicus to use the square root of possible he's like oh he's like it's only theoretical and she's like no we trust you you'll figure it out yeah you need to also believe. we have to go right now because otherwise we're gonna die yeah and the magic starts to come back with him and he realises that actually you can magic do this. Magic is believing. Yeah. And, and you can escape. You have to be going at this speed and hit this angle. Mm-hmm. And just as the fires like start to engulf the vent, they get going. Yeah. And Edison, to his credit, creates like a little steering device with the rope. 
Yeah. So he can steer it. And just when it feels like they've got no hope they're going too fast, Buddy wakes up and starts, like, scratching down the vent to, like, slow them down. Mm-hmm. And... You, there's this nice like slow motion sequence. You see the them come out of the fan perfectly, and the fireball just like engulf, and everything's fine. Yeah, which is brilliant. Edison finally gets some praise from Geronicus. You know, everything feels a little bit more like where we were at the start of the film. Mm-hmm. Just as they get back, Edison's mother calls him. You know, he can't be part of the fixing because he's got to go home to his mum. I know. Kind of sad at this point, but you know, again, his it, name begins with an E. And is not it a J. Christmas Eve at this point as well? Yes. So, like, considering this is supposed to be the big Christmas toy, he's left it a little bit late, hasn't he? Yeah. Well, in the real world, toys are made more than a year in advance. <laughs> yeah. So this is it. Usually, yeah. like five. Yeah. So he'd have already got his toy out for this year, and he was announcing the Twirly Whirly for next year. Mm-hmm. But because that got a muted response, he announced Buddy. Fair enough. There's a nice little romantic moment where, you know, Geronicus thanks Ms. J and he actually gets her name right this time and he has a little bit of mistletoe and they share a little bit of a romantic moment. Yeah. And we get the brief reprise of Miles and Miles. Mm-hmm. Which is cute. Yeah. Journey opens a box and Buddy is broken. So Geronicus sets about uh, fixing him. Mm-hmm. And this is where Journey reveals that she wrote the letter uh, from Geronicus to her mum. And that's why he had no idea who she was, that she was coming here. And and he's like having that bit of doubt. And he's like, you shouldn't have doubt. I believe in you. That's why I wanted to always meet you. You can do this because you're my grandfather. You're the greatest inventor ever. Yeah. And it's it's you've not had much of it, but just like the small moments of their relationship from the start to where they are now. It's really cute. And I love their progress. Mm-hmm. We have Make It Work. And this is, you know, where... Anika Nani Rose finally gets to sing. Yeah, very briefly. It's but... like Jonathan Groff in Frozen, isn't it, really? Like, yeah. You get this amazing singer. You don't use them as much as you should do. Yeah, she's a bit underutilised with this, but I'm glad that she's here. Yeah. She wants to make amends, but doesn't know if she can or, you know, that it will work. Mm-hmm. And he wants to do the same. And the beat of this song is just absolutely brilliant. Like, it just is such a powerful song. Again, really awesome choreography. And then at the end of the song, you've got Jessica's out the shop and all the background dancers literally just get up and start going off on their business again. And leave, yeah. Just like in, like, Belle, where it's just like everyone sings and they're just off with their day. Mm -hmm. And then we get the This Day reprise sequence. So he says sorry and she wants to know... Like, what is he sorry for? And Mm -hmm. lists all the failures as a dad. Like, what specifically are you sorry for? Are you sorry for this? Are you sorry for this? Yeah. Are you sorry for never talking to me? Because I waited. I waited for you to make contact with me. And he opened... And this is really sad. But then you pointed out something that made it funny. Mm -hmm. He opens the cupboard with all the letters. And they just come spilling out. And you're like... Last time we wrote a letter, you just <laughs> shoved it in and closed the door. Yeah, it's like, it's like that's a tomorrow problem. You ruined this poignant moment because it's, <laughs> it's mountains of letters. Like, and it starts to melt the ice again. She starts to see that he did. He was just depressed horribly and mm-hmm. didn't know what to do. And you get the the this day reprise, and it just, you know, 
it's the it's it's the opposite like of the original one because it's sorrowful but there's also the optimism that actually we can fix this mm-hmm. and jess says like oh we'll stay for christmas and she sees buddy and she's like I want to help you fix him i can't believe you still have this and they set about and it's really nice seeing them working together and creating yeah. this like that wedge is completely gone at this point mm-hmm. and it's christmas morning journey wakes up sees everyone's overjoyed yep they turn on buddy and he works yeah because jeronica's finally believes yeah and they start flying and it's great mm-hmm. but of course it may be christmas oh yeah but gustafson shows up yeah and the police still work christmas day Gustafsson shows up with Diego, right? And the policeman does not question this. No. They're all just like, oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> this little dude, this... sure. He's in charge. And he has the blueprints. Mm-hmm. And he's like... But they were stolen from Jeronicus's workshop yeah. recently. And so Journey very cleverly used the blacklight ink to... Right, property of Jeronica's Jangle. Yeah, and that's the thing is, because the police, that's all the proof they need compared to, like, the dusty, like, shelf. Yeah, it's also apparently all the proof they need to be like, by the way, he stole 30 years worth of historical yeah. stuff. and Because it's like, oh, like, do you think it's the same police officers? Because they're quite young. I'm pretty sure it's the same actors. Yeah. But it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's great because they do just go to a restaurant because all they need is to see the blueprints and the fact that, you know, Buddy's they take there. They Diego away as well, which but is hilarious. I do love that, you know, Journey's once ever head. She's like, the second you came crawling, I knew what I had to do. Mm-hmm. And it's a really good, like... She record. probably, if you turned a black light on that whole place, everything would have property of Journey. She went around the whole place, just signed everything. Yeah. Which I think is very cute. I also like that Don Juan just completely sells Gustafsson out. It's like, it was all his idea. I went with it. I'm so happy to be back. Father, I miss you, Father. <laughs> yeah. Father, help. And yeah, this is where he like, re- <laughs> he's my good time boy. <laughs> the big cheese. I love that. Uh, Jeronica, this is where he does the reprogramming. You know, ah, he was set to evil. Yeah. Arrogant mode. fixes him. And... The police take Gustafsson away, but not before Jeronica says, oh, hold on a second. By the way, I kept this present for you for 30 years. And it was like the gyroscopic counter that would have fixed his twirly-whirly. Yeah, he fixed it for him. He's like, you know, I was going to give this to you. And he's like, I'd have, I, I would have taught you everything. I'd have given you the world. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That You know, um, yeah, he says, I would have shown you everything if only you waited. That's like really powerful, like final words. It's like... I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to shout. I'm just going to say that you've bought this on yourself. Mm-hmm. So in the plot synopsis that I'm using, it says that Jeronicus removes the life-giving component from Diego for reprogramming. That is the most dystopian sentence I've read in a while. He killed him. I didn't take it as that. In No, the... I thought it was a switch type thing, but that it really is like... It's messed almost... up. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. It's a it's a real like because Buddy is sentient in a cute way. Yeah. <laughs> which makes it kind of okay. Buddy is sentient in a BB8 way. Yeah. Where it's like he's fully aware of everything that goes on around him, but he's cute so we can kind of treat him like an animal, which in itself is probably yeah, not a great it... way to look at it, but like that's why we think BB8's cute, right? And why Buddy's cute. Mm. And why 
Diego isn't. Yeah. It's because he's too human. And humans cool don't cape, like that. No. Yeah, and his it, hair comes off like a hat. Yeah, and he has like the little cogs exposed at the back as well. Like a toupee. It, it is a sociological issue, isn't it? It's like, you know... Is he doing the right thing? Like he's he's gifted life, and now he's taking it away just because you're That's not behaving. Not we we obviously do not have time to get into that no. in this film. So, Daddy Downton arrives. Mm-hmm. He's like it's it's payday, money or invention, and he sees something revolutionary. Yep. You know, in in Buddy, the shop is saved. The bank will supply him for the rest of his life. Yes. And then we get the finale version of this day, which is just amazing. You know, it's incredibly triumphant. All is well. Everything that was stolen was returned. And we f- go back to Grandma. Yes. And we find out that she's called Grandma Journey. And it's old Journey. And, and in her hair, she still, still has got the, the cogs. And, and so she's like, okay, kids, here's Buddy. And introduces him. And he's like, come on. And so then they all fly off to what used to be Gustafsson's factory, but now has a big J on the top Yeah, because it's uh, Jangle's factory. Mm-hmm. And then we have, like, the, again, the book montage, these great things during the end credits. So you have, like, Jangles and things going back into the business. Gustafsson working on the toy that he was making, the flying toy that he was making in his cell, and it actually working. Yeah. And then the Diego dolls being mass-produced, which feels wrong. Yes. And then the factory opening. And it's a really happy ending. Mm-hmm. You know, even Gustafsson gets a little bit of happiness. Yeah. It's a little It's a too really late. happy ending, unless you're Diego. Yeah, but Diego doesn't know what he's lost, so... That doesn't make it okay. No, I know That's it messed up. <laughs> it is messed up. Um... Who is your MVP in this one? I think it has to be Madeline Mills. Yeah, I, a complete agreement. Like I said earlier, she's phenomenal as Journey. There's mm-hmm. so much charm to her. You wouldn't know this was like a film debut. She yeah. looks so seasoned. And, you know, you're on there with an incredible performer in Forrest Whitaker and, you know, Keegan-Michael Key. Mm-hmm. And she holds her own brilliantly. Yeah. She's a really, really talented kid. So nice and easy one there. What is your skip song? I think the only one I'm not going to add to the playlist is the Grandpa Mayne song. Yeah. My skip song... You're not going to agree with me, but my skip song is Magic Man G. Okay, why? It's just very different to the vibe of the rest of the songs, which is good when you're watching it because you get the sense that, like, this guy... You get a sense of what Gustafsson's like based on that song and it's really different to everyone around him and it stands out and it makes you be a bit like, oh, I don't like this in the context of the rest of the film, which is cool, but I don't think I'd listen to it on its own. I think I need to listen to it on its own to tell because it is absolutely one of my favorite songs however my two best songs are this day because i think it's just a phenomenal opening and the square root of possible i definitely agree with you square root of possible is an incredible song yeah it it just again incredible performance from somebody so young Mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not going to talk about role it's obviously not appropriate for this one because it's it's so important. Uh, it's so important for this film 
and it's so culturally ingrained that all of the characters in this film are black yeah. and that they're portrayed by really really strong incredible black actors yeah. who I think the casting in this is amazing casting is is just phenomenal there's and no then casually weakness. we have Daddy Downton just hanging yeah. around I mean, I'll, it's I'll also be, great I'll be Daddy Downton I, I really enjoyed this one. Um, but before we go to our final thoughts, I'll go over to Instagram and Twitter. Both of them have a very high margin for people who've never seen it. Mm-hmm. 53% of people on Instagram said they've never seen it. That's crazy. Go watch it. It's Six, great. 6% said they didn't enjoy it. 12% saying it's okay. 31% saying yes, great. Mm-hmm. On Twitter... 42% of people have said they've never seen it. 17% of people saying no, didn't like it. 8% saying it's okay. And 33% saying yes, they enjoyed it. If you've not seen this film, you absolutely should. You know, if you are one of those people that voted, I've never seen it. And if you're listening to this now being like, I'm listening because it's Danny and Drew and I love it's a musical podcast, but I don't know what they're talking about. When you finish listening to us, mm-hmm. watch this film. Uh, sorry you're in my seat podcast at S-Y-I-M-S underscore podcast said I loved the set designs and costumes it felt a bit long but was enjoyable do you think it's long? I thought it was long when we went to watch it but I very quickly I think when we were watching it I was having a good time so I didn't notice if it was long at all but it's like two hours yeah, it, and it, I, I, it is like when we went to watch it, I was like, oh man, this is going to be long. But I, it flew by. And then we have Kimberly at Heart 10 Looks 3, which is a great little chorus line reference in your handle, mm-hmm. said, went in knowing only that it was a Christmas movie about a toy shop owner who had fallen on hard times, expected a toy store version of You've Got Mail, but oh my God, beautiful, heartbreaking and heartwarming story. Brilliant performances and gorgeous music, scenery and costumes. And spot on there. Like, very low expectations going into this, thinking it was, not low expectations, but thinking it's just going to be like typical Christmas fare. Mm-hmm. And you get something like this. Easy five stars from me. Yeah, definitely. I just loved it. And I, I think it will become something we watch every Christmas. Yeah. I already know what our modern-ish Christmas film is going to be next year. Mm-hmm. Like, it, we're going to do uh, Spirited, aren't we, with Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. I think so, yeah. So spoilers for for a year from now. But... I know that next year's Christmas, I don't think, will be complete without watching this film again. It's yeah. absolutely brilliant, and it is well worth the two hours watch this this Christmas season. So my advice, sit down of an evening with your family or your friends, get yourself some chocolates or some uh, sweets, get yourself a nice warm beverage, and enjoy Jingle Jangle, because you absolutely will. We have two more episodes left of the year mainline episodes it's everyone's favourite Christmas film next week mm-hmm. when we watch A Muppet's Christmas Carol yeah which we're going to actually watch the, the restored version, version that's ah, on I'm Disney so Plus I'm so excited to see when love is gone I'm not going to write notes 
for the first time in a while because I watch this film so often, mm. which I know it kind of breaks the mould of what this podcast is, but it's Christmas and... We well, deserve the Muppets. We deserve the Muppets. And we'll talk a little bit about the other Muppet Christmas films we've watched this season as well, maybe. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to be talking about the brand new movie version of Matilda that is a viral sensation on TikTok. Mm-hmm which I'm very excited. Again, you know, like I said earlier, two films with two incredible young performers making their debuts. And we will end the year with our top 10. So get in contact. There's still time for you to tell us what your favourite musical we've covered this year. Twitter and Instagram at It's a Musical Pod for the full list. Have you got a top 10 yet? No. I have a top 15. There's too many. I need to iron it down. I don't think there's been any this year where I was like, I hate this musical. You're going to watch it. (laughs) No, and it's very difficult because I was looking through the list and being like, oh, but this one was really good. I gave so many, like, high ratings, you know, this year. It's incredible. We are not, however, going to have an episode covering Newsies like we've talked about. Unfortunately, uh, we were quite ill and we weren't able to make it to see Newsies. We're hoping that we might try and get a chance to see it in 2023. And if we do, there will be an episode then. Health has to come first. Um, so sorry about that. You know, those of you who are looking forward to it, we were devastated, but I think we made the right call in the end, you know, between train strikes as well and the cold and illness. As always, you can get involved in the conversation over on Twitter and Instagram at It's a Musical Pod, and you can subscribe to us on a multitude of good podcasting platforms. We're available on Apple Podcasts, we're available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, the Amazon Music app under the podcast section of the library. You can find us on Stitcher, Good Pods, and our OG hosts, Podbean. And all I want for Christmas is for you to share this podcast with your friends and family head on over to podchaser.com share us with someone and why not leave us a review to wake up to on, on christmas morning when santa's been but until next week we will see you the same bat place same bat channel have a magical musical monday